All right, so we're mixing it up a little bit today. We're going to read through our passage first and uh, just kind of get ready, ready for everything today. So if you're using the House Bible, right, we're on page 728. Uh, passage today is Luke 13, 22 through 30. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you've come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I do not know you or where you came from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and the first who will be last. I just, I just want to say a couple things before we get started. One, welcome to Church Project. We're so glad that, that you are here today. I'm excited because we're getting right back into Luke. We've, we've been out of Luke for, I don't know, three or four weeks, and, and, and rightfully so. Easter, we kind of jumped off of that, and the week before, we, mo- we were talking about moving to the Moxie, and so we've been out of the book of Luke for a, a few weeks now. So welcome back to Luke. It's, isn't it good to be in Luke? We're, we're going from the very beginning all the way to the very end. And Jason read Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 30. And, and thank you for doing that, Jason. I've, I found that I, I can't read, and I don't know why. I, I have a problem reading the, the Bible out loud. So we're trying to change it up a little bit so it sounds intelligent, right? Okay, so um, I'm excited to get in today's message because it's something that, um, as a pastor, I always struggle with this passage. And growing up, I've always struggled with this passage because of the content of this passage. And, and, I'll, and I'll explain it in a little bit as to how I struggle with it. But I want to ask us all a question in this place. Have you ever been so convicted of something only to later realize that you were wrong? Like you, you just knew that you knew something, uh, but only to later realize that that thing that you knew and you were so convicted of that, that you were actually wrong from the beginning. Um, I know none of us are like that, but sometimes I am like that. And maybe even as humanity, we're, we're kind of in that spot occasionally as well. Uh, if you think back, uh, people used to think that the world was flat, right? So convicted, like here it is. And then here comes science and proves that, wait, it's not actually flat. You can't go off the end. It's, you know, it's a globe. And so have you ever been so convicted of something only to later realize that, you know what, I may have been wrong in this? I want to begin to unpack these verses a little bit. I think that the message is very simple today. And I think it's a very powerful message that will hit each and every one of us. Regardless of whether you say, um, yeah, I'm here because I don't know why. Um, <laughs> or I'm here and, and, and I love God with all my heart. Whether you say, I don't know who Jesus is. Or you can say, I'm a Christian and I've been serving God for, for years and years and years. This passage today is such an encouragement for everyone that's sitting in this room. So I want to, if we would, just begin to unpack it. So if you'd go to, to verse 22 and, and 23 and 24, let, let me read these and, and begin, to, begin to explain what's happening here. In verse 22, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. 
Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, in verse 24, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many of you, of the Jews, who, is he, who he's talking to at this time, many of you, not some, many of you, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. I think it's very important to keep in mind who he's talking to right now. Am I reading the right verses, Jared? You, yeah? Oh, verse th- chapter 13. Sorry. Sorry. I see him whispering over there. I'm like, what? Did I just write down the wrong stuff? So here we are. Chapter 13, everyone. Sorry if, if I didn't mention that. Here we are. I think it's important, though, to realize that Jesus is talking to mainly Jewish people right now. And, and why is that so important? It's so important because the message that he's giving, he's saying, many of you... Not some of you will try to enter, but you're not. And why, why is this? Well, the people at this time, they're asking this question. And I think, I think the Jews that are asking this question, they're, they're very smug in their question. I mean, they're very self-complacent. It's a very self-complacent question. And I say this because we talk often about this thing called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah is something that kind of guided the Jewish people at the time. It was, it was the rules. It was the regulations. Like, this is the Mishnah. And so if you're Jewish, you know this Mishnah. And part of this Mishnah, right here, can I read part of this Mishnah? This is what it says. This is what would drive you if, if you were a Jewish person, an Israelite at this time. And this is what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah said, All Israelites have a share in the world to come. For it is written, Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planning, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. And these are not that, uh, and these are they that have no share in the world to come. He that says there is no resurrection from the dead, prescribed to the law. And then he that says the law is not from heaven. So, this is what this says. If you're Jewish, you have a pass into heaven. Unless you say that the resurrection is false or you're not following the law. Other than that, here's your pass into heaven. So if you're a Jewish person at this time, you're sitting there and you're asking this smug question because you know that you believe in this resurrection thing or, you, you, or you're following the law. And so you're asking this smug question. Who's going to enter into the heaven? And Jesus says, oh yeah? Here, I'm going to respond to this. The Jews believed they would all be saved except if they were really bad. But those Gentiles, you know those Gentiles over there, the other people, the bad people, no way that they're going to enter into heaven. And Jesus knows this. And I love that what he does, if you'll notice in these verses, 22, 23, 24, they ask a question. And it's very much a they. The Jewish people are saying, they, them. And Jesus turns it back and says, no way, it's not about they and them. It's about you. It's about you. See, they think they're good. They think they're golden. They think everything's all right. According to this Mishnah, I'm Jewish. I'm going to get in. And and they're asking this smug question. And Jesus says, no, it's not even about that. You've misplaced it. That question is even wrong. The question should be me and about me and my life. What do I believe? Not as a Jew or a Gentile, but what do I believe? (laughs) As people that have come to church for a while... Or maybe you've grown up in church. Tradition is something that's a clock that tells us where we've been. And there's, there's a lot of good that can be found in the, in, in the tradition of the church. 
And one of the classes that I'm taking is just church history and how rich it is. And I, I love learning about where the church has come from and, and why we are able to sit here today in this awesome place and talk about God. I love hearing about all the tradition, but tradition is just this. It's a clock that tells us where we've been. Tradition isn't something that says where we have to go in the future. And a lot of us in the church, we say something has been this way all along and it's got to be this way and it's going to stay this way. And the Jewish people, if they're following the Mishnah, they're saying, I'm in and it's good. And so they're counting on that. They're counting on that as their way into, into the kingdom of heaven and they've got it wrong from the very beginning. I think, it's a presumpt- I think as a church, we really need to ask ourselves a question. Are we just coming to this place or are we just going to church because we've always come to church? Like our parents brought us to Sunday school or we just grew up in church or, or we think we're all good. And we think that because of our good actions that we're going to enter into heaven somehow. And we, we just come and it's like a check mark. Are you in that spot today? Are we in that spot today? If we're in the spot where we're just following tradition for tradition's sake, or we're doing something out of habit, when we're in a bad spot, and Jesus is here, and he's saying, hey, 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 it's not about the laws, it's not about the tradition, it's not about the Mishnah, it's about a relationship. So church, as we sit here today, how do we sit here? Do we sit here in love with God? Or do we sit here out of our tradition and out of our habit? Which is a very, very bad place to be. See, with the title Christian comes a big, big privilege. And it's a privilege to have the title Christian. To have a God, to have a Savior that has died for us. What we celebrated last, last week with Easter and rose from the dead. And that's a privilege And so as we look at this, and we look at this title, and we look at the Jewish uh, smug remarks that's being made right now, I want to point out something right here. If you'll look in verse 24, it says, Make every effort. Because it's easy for us as Christians to fall into just a routine. And just to show up. And just to be complacent. But what a privilege we have. Make every effort. If you look that up in the Greek, the Greek word is agazome, which means agonize. It means to agonize. So we make every effort. It means we'll agonize. And, and the door is narrow into where, who will enter into the gate of heaven and to be in the presence of God. That's a narrow, narrow gate. And if we're on cruise control... And we're saying, I made a commitment to God in third grade at a beach retreat somewhere, I think. And I said these magical words and I checked a commitment card. And so I'm all good. If we are counting our salvation off of that, that card, that moment, years ago, are we really in a relationship with God? Are we agonizing? Are we working out our faith? Oh, but there's a beautiful thing called grace, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. But I wanted to point out specifically that make every effort, agonize to enter through the narrow door, because many of you Jews that are following the laws, you think you got your ticket in, I tell you, we'll try to enter, and you will not be able to. How does this sit on your heart today with your relationship with Christ? Are you on cruise control? Are you agonizing and working out and running after God with all your heart, with all your being? It's a privilege and it's an honor to work, to serve, to love, to live. Okay, 
Let's go on here. I want to read Romans 2, um, chapter 2, verse 17 through 21. If you want to turn there real quick. Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. And this is what it says. It says, Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know His will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law an embodiment of knowledge and truth, then you who teach others do not teach yourself. And it goes on to talk about what good is it. What good is it if you know everything there is to know about God, but you yourself are not agonizing, working out, running after God with all your heart? What good is it? You can be the most moral person in the whole world. You can feed a thousand hungry people. You can save all the lives in the world. Do the best stuff in the world. And one day we could enter and we could stand before God and we can say, God, and he goes, who are you? I mean, you did great stuff, but you don't know who I am. Are you placing a lot of your works and action as like your ticket into heaven? If so, that's a dangerous place to be. If you're perfect in here, then maybe you got it. But I don't think anyone in here is perfect. Do you? I fail every day. Do you? I have thoughts that are embarrassing sometimes. Do you? I fall into action sometimes where I'm like, really, again? Here I am again. Do you? Like, I, I am, it's so relieving to me to know that God is a God full of grace and a God of, full of love that I can go to. And he's, he looks at me and he says, Aaron, it's okay. I died for that too. And that too. And I still love you. And you're good. Because Satan wants to tell you the opposite, doesn't he? Satan wants to take us out. Is he doing a good job taking you out right now? Like, are you feeling just terrible about that action, that thing you did again? This is a message of hope. This is a very beautiful message. Now, I look at these, especially these, verse, these first three verses, and, and I just say, it's with all that we are. Let's pray continually. Let's fight. Let's run after God. Let's don't be complacent. Let's don't just say our actions are going to earn us to heaven, because that's not the truth anyways. As Christians, as church project, as the ecclesia that's right here, are we agonizing, and is it a joy to agonize after God? It is for me. I'm having a blast. I love what God is doing here with Church Project. I love the conversations that I'm able to have with people here. I'm, I'm loving to see that today we're going to have a barbecue at the park and go play baseball. And I don't know if we're actually going to do that. But I love to see the randomness. And I love to see relationships built. Because it takes all of us encouraging each other to run after God, doesn't it? And it takes all of us operating in our own gifts to do this. To have a church body that's running after God. Church, I love what God is doing here. I was a wrestler in, in, in high school. Any of you wrestled in high school? Any of you man enough to wrestle? Oh, Jeff, I don't want to wrestle you. I was, I was going to throw out the warning, like, come on, bring it on. But you, I'm not going to do that. I, I wrestled since third grade. I, I, for some reason, really loved wrestling. And I, I made it all the way into high school. And in high school, I made the varsity team as a freshman. We went to a double-A school. It's not that big of a deal. But I, I was wrestling, and here's what happened every weekend as I'd go to tournaments. Pretty much flawlessly, unless something happened, I would end up in the finals every tournament. 
against Jonah Olguin from Manzanola. Doesn't, doesn't that name sound terrible? Just say Jonah Olguin. Let it roll off your lips. Jonah Olguin from Manzanola. Uh, this dude... This is an Arkansas Valley down southeast Colorado. A Mexican dude had a mustache, like full-on mustache. Here's a scrawny little white guy, like, come on, Jonah. Like, so I could beat everybody. I could beat everybody. And flawlessly, like, unless I was sick or we were at different tournaments, we were always in the final. One and two, Aaron Havens. Number two in the bracket down here, Jonah Ogin, number one. We'd wrestle, 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 wrestle. Here we are in the finals. Everyone's like, surprise, it's Jonah Ogin and Aaron Havens. And Guess what the outcome's going to be? He whipped my tail every time. Like, I just, for four years, this is what happened. He whipped my tail every time. It was embarrassing. One time I beat him, though, because he did an illegal move and broke my back. Long story, but I beat him. So, (laughs) hey, I'll take it. Emergency ambulance ride. I'm like, that was a legal move. I beat you. Just remember that. I beat you. Right? But it was a fight to get to the finals every time. And every time I knew that I wanted to fight with this guy. And, 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 but my senior year, the last tournament district to go to state, and this is my senior year, I had kind of gotten a little complacent. Any of you ever gotten complacent in things? So, so I'm going through my bracket, and we're working to the finals, right? And I get, I get up, I don't know, semifinals. I don't, I don't even remember this anymore. Except I remember going on the, on the mat, and I'm like, who are you? I hadn't even seen this dude for four years. I'm like, who are you? This guy from Lyman, short little dude. I'm like, I got this guy, no problem. And immediately after the whistle, like, I guess he had watched tape or something. He had studied me. And and he immediately did a headlock. If you know what a headlock is, it's where you snap the guy's head down and then throw him over your back. And then you sit there and try to choke him out while he's on his back so you can pin him. And I remember, like, the whistle blew. He snapped my head. And before I even knew it, I was on my back, like, breathe, like, you know. And and I can say I'm never never been pinned. I can say that because I was just stubborn. But for like three minutes, I was on my back going, I hope I don't pass out. And I hope he doesn't, he doesn't like pin me. And I sat on my back thinking, how am I here? And the crowd is going crazy, especially the Lyman fans. They're going crazy. Like I had, I had underestimated this nameless guy from Lyman. So I finally get up after the first round. The second round we go in, I'm like, Okay, I got to watch out for that headlock. That was mean. He did it again. Like this, I'm like, how are you doing this? I think all he did was he knew that that was my weakness, and he hit it every single time, and he, he beat me that match. I didn't get pinned, but I walked off the mat, the mat going, what happened? Like pride had got in my way. It was given I was going to be in the final with Jonah Ogin. It's what always happened. But the, the dude from Lyman put me on my back and humbled me. I barely made it to state my senior year because of that dude from Lyman and because pride got in my way. Jewish people at this time, what do we have to do to go to heaven? As in, we know we're already going anyway, so just humor us and give us this answer. Christians today, has pride getting in the way? With our relationship with Christ, like agonizing and running after him, like we think we're all good, right? Because we're not as bad as that person, our next door neighbor, you know them. The guy that's easy to judge, the woman that, you know, is just not at your level. 
Warning, warning, warning. We're all sinner sons. It's a great song. And we are in need of a Savior. The good news is, Jesus has died for every single one of us. Even if we're full of pride. The challenge I'm seeing here is just a question. How are you in a relationship with God, and especially when it comes to your, your relationship with pride? Do you think you've got this thing, like you got your stamp into heaven because you're just that good? If it's actions that are, that are causing you to think you got it that good, I want to question those thoughts. It's not our actions. All right, let's continue on through here. Um, let's go to verse 25 and, tw- and 27. Um, I, think it's, I think it's pretty neat. Uh, are kind of scary, actually, these verses right here. Because once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I, I don't know you or where you come from. Verse 26, then, then you will say, We ate and drank with you. We taught in our streets, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you, or, or where you came from, away from me, all you evildoers. And, and, you, and you keep knocking, and, and you're like, yeah, but I, I even made the coffee for church project every week. And he's like, so? Big deal. I don't know you. The thing that's a little scary to me, and why this passage is something that pastors always struggle through all the time, is, is simply because... <laughs> How do you relate and how do you communicate a love relationship with God to humanity? Like, how do you do that? And is there a point where you can actually make this prayer of salvation and you're good? Like, you're, you're golden? Because here I'm seeing that there's a point, that there's a time limit on the offer of salvation. For every single one of us, there's a time limit on that offer of salvation. One point, whether it's a car wreck that takes us to heaven or whatever it may be, well, at one point, there's a limit. And God will say, that door has shut, and now you're outside that door. You can knock all you want. I mean, you, can, you could have saved the world's hunger problem or solved it or whatever, but you, can, you don't know me, and I don't know you, and so you're outside the door, and you're going to continually knock. Time's up. It's done. How many of us are running from God right now? We think we're healthy enough, we're strong enough, we're pushing them off. We say, God, I'll fully surrender to you later on in life. You know, when I have kids and I can slow down. But right now, now's party time and I'll get it right later. How many of us think that we can run from God? And I'll just ask you an even better question. How, how many of us think or we know that God's calling us to do something or be something or start something, but we're not because we're just complacent in this? It kind of scares me to know that there's a time limit on the offer of salvation here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. In, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. But as we look, at one point, the door is shut. Are we responding to God? I just did a paper. Uh, it, it's, it's a scary little paper. And this is a little side note. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Go read it. It'll, it'll give you a question where you're like, uh-oh. And, and here's the question if, if you've been in church. Can you lose your salvation? Anyone ever, ever thought about that? 
can you lose your salvation? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to this Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. And, and a lot of people use this as a place where you can lose your salvation. I think a better question is, do, can the saints persevere? Like, can, are you going to persevere through your faith? Because especially in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 12, a lot of people use this. And they point to it and say, see, I told you, you can use your, you lose your salvation. But if you want to look at that, those verses in context, this is what it says. There were some people there in this Hebrew time that were a benefit of what the Holy Spirit was doing. They got to see it. But they themselves weren't part of who God was. They got to see what was happening. But when it came to the moment of salvation for them, they never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's possible, by the way, P.S., to sit here And to see what God is doing. To be a part of the awesome things that he's doing through each other's lives and through church project. It's possible to sit here and to raise our hands and to worship God. But all along, we ourselves and our hearts have never surrendered control to Jesus Christ. And if you want to talk about, can you lose your salvation in more depths? Email me. Let's go and have coffee. I love talking about that. It's such good stuff. But I'll get off of that. It is very possible though. To be sitting here and to not know who God is. Huh. It, starting a church is fun. I have been a part of really big churches. And, and there was one time in Oklahoma City where we were doing a big baptism for the youth. We probably had 200, maybe 300 students in line to get baptized. And in the auditorium, we had brought all our youth groups together. So we had close to probably 2,000 students in this auditorium. We had the best band. The lights were flashing. We had this huge baptismal pool. And, I, and we would have five or six of our youth pastors in the water. And so five or six of the kids would get in the water at the same time. And me, standing outside the water, would yell this rhetorical question, Hey, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered control of your life to Him? And that's an obvious. Everyone says, yes. And then the band jams and we put them down in the water and come up and everyone's like, ooh, you know, clapping and screaming, high energy. And it was one of these baptisms about halfway through. And one group got in and I asked the question, have you accepted the Lord Jesus as your, as your Savior, personal Savior? And, and five people, yes. But one girl in the middle looked at me and she goes, what are you saying? And I went, time out. Like, how did you get here? Like, you don't even know what we're talking about. And I had to ask a lot of questions as our youth group, as the church at large. What are we doing? Last week, we had a baptism right here. Three people. Beautiful. I loved how they articulated what God has been doing in their heart. I loved that. And I loved being a part of this thing. Church... (laughs) Here's the the rub for pastors in this. 
We want to stand up. Like, I want to stand up today, and I want to say, hey, guys, pray a sinner's prayer with me. I mean, repeat these words, and here's your golden ticket. Like, I, I want to say, when you get baptized, like, like that, that, that's it. That's your golden ticket. I want to say all these things, and we look in Scripture, and, and we go, yeah, there, there's some truth that we need to just verbalize the control of our life to Jesus Christ. And, yeah, because of that, we get baptized as an as a, as a illustration or a demonstration of what God's done in our life, and he's commanded us to do that. Those are absolute truths, but it is possible to sit here and with our mouth go, I accept you, Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior, and next week show up and get baptized, and then it never have ever changed your life. It is possible. And it's the scariest thing as a pastor of a church to try to relate this message and say it's about the heart and to, and to walk people through the motions of it of, of yeah, I want to pray with you and this is awesome and I want to baptize you. But is it affecting your heart or is it just part of our Mishnah, our rules, our laws, our golden ticket we're looking for, yet it doesn't affect our life? What part of this Bible do you read and it's not affecting your life? Like, it should agonize us. It should be a joy. And it, should be a, uh, it should be such a wonderful thing. It transforms our life. Like, we want to spend time with Jesus. And we don't want to just walk through the motions. How many of us are walking through the motions? It's possible to look the part and to miss the point. With that, I want to hit a pause, and I just want to tell you, as Church Project, May 18th, if you got our email this week, we're going to do something that we've needed to do for a while, and it's called the Start Class. So May 18th. By the way, if you're not getting our emails, just fill out that, that uh, response card. Put your email on that. You can put it in our offering basket over here, and we'll get you on that list. But May 18th, we're doing our start class. What is start class? It's the, it's the place where uh, we're going to have lunch after our gathering. We're going to do it over at our church project building. Um, so it's important to have our email so we can let you know. Um, but it's going to happen right after our gathering. And we're going to go. And what it is, we're going to talk about where has Church Project come from? Like, what do we believe? What do we believe about Scripture, who God is? Um, what has happened with our body in the last three years? And how has God designed you? Like, what has He designed you for? What's your purpose? How can you plug into here? Like, God is doing something really cool here. But if it was just Aaron Havens, this would be a boring bad place. It takes all of us agonizing and running and in love with God to create this ecclesia that's going to, I think, rock greedy. Do you? I think the love of God is going to come from this place. And my prayer is that it happens with each and every one of us first. It's not an action that we're going through, not just motions, but it's something that has affected our heart. And we're plugging in. And we're being the part of the body of Christ. And we're affecting Greeley. I can't wait to watch this continue to happen. By the way, it's already happening. <laughs> At Church Project, our purpose is to make disciples, meet needs, and to grow churches. Part of us making disciples is teaching the Bible, encouraging each other, doing whatever we can to be a part of His body. I can't wait to watch the day when all of us are operating in our full potential, our full giftings, and our full passions. And we're doing this together as we run after Greeley. Greeley's a place that needs hope. Would you agree? Do you know anyone in your life that needs hope? We can speak this love message to them. 
So let's go to verse 28 to 30, just to wrap this up. Um, There will be weeping there and gnashing of the teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves thrown out. People will come from the east and the west and north and the south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who, who are last, who will be first, and those who will be last. First will be last. Told you I can't read. I needed you up here again, Jason. This one really hits me. Do I think that there will actually be pastors that don't know who God is? Yeah. I think there, there could actually be people here today that are preaching. I mean, passionately preaching, but they themselves don't even know who God is. How is your heart with God? Is it alive? Is it real? Or are you just walking through the motions? Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. If we think our actions are going to get us to heaven, we're so misplaced, so misplaced, and it leads to death. And unbelieving Israel will be cast out, but believing Gentiles will sit down with God. And that's so beautiful. One of the grand themes of Luke right here is is just kind of shown right here. It's the universal gospel truth here that the gospel, the good news is for both the Jews and the Gentiles. And as a proud Jewish people during this time, that's a message that's shaken their world. But as a Gentile, you're like, sweet. And as the Jew that begins to get God's love at this time, man, if they could grasp it at that time, it would be so relieving because this Mishnah, gone. And this grace and this love, amen. Thank you. My grandpa said this, and I thought it was way cool. If you've heard this, then I apologize, but I've never heard it. It's, it's churchianity versus Christianity. Oh, I thought that was awesome, grandpa. Churchianity versus Christianity. Like, are you just coming here and going through the motions? Good job. You, church, you have a good churchianity. But Christianity, Christ-like, do you have the Christ-likeness? Are you running after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and being? As I entered seminary, one of the greatest warnings from all my professors and people that I sought wisdom to do this was this. Don't get so full of head knowledge that it misses your heart. And you can know everything about the Bible. You can follow all the rules perfectly. But if you yourself haven't run after God, then you are missing the narrow way to God. So with this, here's what I want to encourage you with. May his word encourage you today. 2 Peter 1, 2 says this. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Here's the bottom line. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus Christ. Not through anything that you've done or you haven't done. Not through how good you are or rules you followed or how bad you are. Grace and peace be yours. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Because of his love for you. Because of his heart that he has instilled into you. And that's a good message. That's a message as a pastor that I want to hang on to. Because the outer, you can fool me. You can fool us with all the outer actions. But the heart, only you and God knows. And so it's with that that I would like us just to reflect on this a little bit. If you would, just close your Bibles. And and I want to ask us some questions here.
if you're comfortable with it, just close your eyes and, and hold your hands out in front of you. This is just a submission. Just say, God, I, I want to receive anything that, that you want to show me today. Or God, I even want to place just doubt of who you are in my hands and say, prove yourself to me. In this place today, what has it been during our time together that God's just been prompting in your heart? That God is a powerful God. He can speak to each and every one of us. And I pray that he is in this place. He's speaking to you exactly the way that he wants to. And that we're, we're listening. So what is God showing you? Some of us, we can honestly say, no, we're not making every effort. We're not running after God with all we are. Like we're just on cruise control. If that's you, just place that in your hand. Say, God, here it is. I'm, I'm so sorry for being on cruise control. I pray that I can be passionately loving you, in love with you. And God, and out of that love, then I'll do whatever I can to tell others and show others about who you are. Please wake me up. Some of us, we need to just ask God, please wake me up. Put a fire deep in my bones, a love for you. Just rekindle something that I know is there. But man, just God, bring it, bring it on. I want more of you in this place. Some of us just, we need to ask just basically, God, show me who you are, please. I want to know who you are. Some of us, we're so full of pride. Man, pride gets us every day. One of the beautiful things about being a Christian is we don't have to have that pride because we know we don't have the answers. It's only through Jesus do we have any answers. So if you're in this place and you just you know you've been full of pride, especially this last week, just say, God, forgive me of that pride and how it came out. God, I want to give you my life. I want to serve you with my life. I want, I want to be the one that shows love, your love to anyone and everyone, including my family, the people I work with, the people I most get upset with. My God, please break my pride. Let my identity be found in you. Just spend some time right now just getting rid of that pride. Then I'm going to ask us to do something in, in here that I think there's a lot of people in churches right now across America, around the world that, man, they think they're good, but they're just putting on a show. I want to ask you, would you pray for, the, for humanity, that God would wake up people that are just walking through the motions but hasn't affected their heart? Would you pray for them? And, and maybe that's you. Just say, God, wake me up. Let it affect my heart. I don't want to just walk through the motions be fully alive in you. And that's why this passage is such a beautiful passage. Because it, it comes down to the heart condition. Are you alive in Christ? I sure hope so. Surrender control of your life today. In your words, just in your place right now. Just say, God, I'm done trying my own. 
I've gone against you in so many ways, but God, I want to surrender control of my life to you. Teach me what that is, what that looks like. God, I, I want to run after you. Here's my life. And if that's you, yeah, I'm going to ask, please fill out that response card. Put in there, for the first time today, I, I've asked God to take control of my life and, or write down prayer requests in there. We want to help you in this process, whatever that looks like. But today might be the day where you, you woke up. I'm going to ask us to go into a time right now of, of just continued worship. And, and we're doing it different today. We had our kids start in there to begin with, mainly because they take up all the chairs up front up here. But what I'm going to ask us to do is, if we would, we'll stand up. And Jeremy and the band, they're going to take us through a couple worship songs. And so maybe during this first song, it just, just you, just do business with God. Um, you can worship God in multiple ways through worship. Um, just stand. Maybe it's just sitting there and praying. Maybe it's writing down prayer requests. Maybe it's giving your offering over on this side of the room. Whatever it is right now, I pray that you worship God in this place. But we're going to go through a couple songs. So I'd encourage you, if you have kids in, in, in uh, Project Kids area, just spend this song, you and God, like you and God in this place. And then for our next song, just one, a parent, one of the parents with the tag, run and grab your kids and bring them back in here so as a family we can worship together with who God is. But in this place... Don't just walk through the motions because maybe you have been. In this place, the worship God, come alive. Say, God, it's about you, not about me. Break me. I want to be more in love with you. God, you are our Savior. You are worthy of all of our praise. And so, church, can we praise God in this place? If you would, let's stand and we'll pray for us. God, thank you for this. Thank you for this place. Thank you for this space. Thank you for our heart. Thank you for prodding us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray that it's not just superficial, but it's something that transforms our hearts, our minds, our entire being. God, if any of us are holding back on anything, I pray that we throw it at you and say, here it is, God, my entire being. Thank you for our life today.